Welcome to our second Renatus podcast. In this series, we have another legendary Irish business story largely untold. Renatus investor and advisor Greg Dilger sits down with Jimmy Martin, co-founder of the AMCS Group. We hope you enjoy it. I'm here uh, virtually uh, with Jimmy Martin, the founder and CEO of AMCS from Limerick. And thanks, Jimmy. Um, thanks a lot for uh, for taking time out. I know you have a lot on today, so really appreciate it. Um, Look, you've done an amazing job uh, leading AMCS from a two-man startup back in 2004 to the 650 employee international operation it is today. It really is a, an authentic Irish success story. Um, given that some of our listeners may not be too familiar with AMCS, I think I think it would be good to kick off by giving us a quick overview of the company as it is today. You might tell us about what exactly AMCS do who are your customers, where are your customers, and maybe give us a sense of the scale of the operation. Yeah, no problem, Greg. Um, so AMCS, we started in 2004. We supply um, software and solutions into the environmental services industry um, um, that broaden from the waste recycling industry into the broader environmental service industry. Our goal is to digitalize um, the environmental services industry and drive a circular economy approach. Um, we're based here in Limerick. 200 or 200 employees in Ireland, 650 employees worldwide. Um, we sell into um, all sorts of environmental companies, waste companies, recycling companies, um, metal recycling, uh, water type businesses, um, municipalities, local authorities. Um, we have about two and a half thousand customers um, and we sell into 22 countries across the world, um, North America, Europe, uh, Australia, New Zealand, um, obviously Ireland, UK are all pretty major markets for mm. us. Um, our, our, our goal is to continue to, to drive that circular economy approach um, and to help our customers to, 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 to drive a sustainable future mm. and, and using our software digital technology. Jimmy, can I ask you, the circular economy is that? I, I think I know what it is. Could you maybe explain to me what exactly circular economy means? <laughs> it's about, it depends on who you ask, but from, you know, from where we're coming from, it, it, it's about everything we use is a resource and ensuring that resource can be reused um, and, you know, continually try to drive, first of all, eliminate waste. And then if we do use a resource, actually make sure it's reusable and it can stay in the chain continuously um, and that means you know manufacturers consumers and and recyclers are in that loop together continually trying to drive that reuse jimmy is it a is it a bit of uh, one person's waste is another person's raw material is that 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 kind of what you mean there is no such thing as waste you know everything is a resource and 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 you know, you know that that's what makes us so excited about this industry. When we when you look at a when you look at a wheelie bin or in a waste bin, you you see waste. We see we see value. We see, we see opportunity, and we see opportunity, and we see real value that we can create. You know, we can create something from that, whether that's a recycled product or whether that's energy or whether that's something where we can recreate plastic, cardboard, whatever. Yeah, and that's quite a complex chain when you when you when you think about the chain away from from the consumption right back again into the back into the manufacturing recycling side 
Jimmy, you're you're sort of piece in in the chain. You're, you're enabling um, your customer companies who are involved in this. You're making through your technology. Um, you're enabling them to be more efficient and to be more innovative and more effective and more profitable. So when you say we, you're talking about your customers, really. Obviously, in turn, we we, we and our customers, yeah, the, the industry as a whole, um, and and you know, we're a partner in the industry, providing software, data, and technology to help them automate, drive efficiency, and track and improve that whole that whole circular approach. Yeah. Um, Jimmy, actually, just in, in order to kind of help the understanding of it, uh, uh, and I know there's a lot of dimensions to this, and obviously weighing bins was, was something we're all familiar with now that used to happen. But could you maybe give us an example of sort of what used to happen, say, with one of your customers or many customers, something that used to happen that the way, sorry, the way things used to be and, the, and they now have changed with, the, with your involvement and the involvement of digital technology how the, how do they do things differently? Some of the standout things which we would maybe be familiar with. Yeah, well, I, I suppose if you think the household, which most people are familiar with, yeah, are familiar with, um, you know, and it's probably less than thirty percent of our business, but you know, a lot of people are familiar with that. But if you take that example in Ireland, you know, back in the nineties, you know, wheelie bin. If you had a wheelie bin, in some cases there was no wheelie yeah. bin, but if a household had a wheelie bin, it would get collected once a week. It was one bin. It was a waste bin. A bin would get collected, it would be taken to a landfill and put in a hole, and that was the end of the chain. Now, at minimum, most households have two, if not three, three um, containers. Um, each of them containers are classified into waste, recycling, compost. Um, each container gets an RFID tag as the container is being collected. It is tracked who's the who owns the container, what waste is in the container, an image is taken of the container, um, the weight is taken, it is measured um, probably up to 100 times before it's even collected by weight to make sure it's accurate. A GPS coordinate is taken on the collection yeah. and that waste then is put into the back of the, of the bin truck. There may be four compartments in the bin truck. That, that whole truck is brought to a, a transfer station um, and that material in is, is sorted into its constituencies of plastic, cardboard, and metal and any other material types that may be taken out of there and then material types then are recycled and bought directly back to some form of component that can be shipped back to the manufacturer okay um in the food waste side food waste is you know a big topic at the moment over 30 percent of food waste is actually food is actually thrown away um, when you think about that from a carbon footprint from a, a um, you know from a, from what it takes to create food um, over 30% of that is wasted and, and there's a big drive on that market first of all is to reduce the waste um, and then to ensure if there is food waste that it's brought back into the chain and energy is created from, from that so most of them are going to in, into some form of in, energy creation mm. and on the pure waste side um, most of the waste now is, is not going into landfill it's going into energy waste facility to create energy to heat our homes or heat our houses or businesses or whatever mm. um, so you know that chain has completely changed I suppose significantly over the, the last 10 15 years and it sounds it sounds Jimmy that it's going to continue changing you know it's, it's absolutely yeah yeah I mean it's, it's going to get more sophisticated um, I think there is a lot more onus on manufacturers and 
manufacturers and creators of products to ensure they are they have the creating a sustainable future mm. and that's a big drive for our industry you know it would have been seen as the old you know the old industry of waste industries it's a long way from that at the end of the day we're, we're the center of you know our customers are the center of that sustainable economy well and i i, I assume you know if you're making your customers more efficient and you're helping them be more innovative innovative um you're um you're going to make more money your fees to them or whatever the right word is you know you're going to be getting more revenue from those customers and they they're making more and you'll be making more i assume yeah well look at we're, we're all trying to do the right thing and obviously as, as solutions get more hmm. more the more process connections are in that chain the more complex and the more permanent it is to digitalize the chain you know, that's what we're about yeah, and I'm 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 getting to understand it a little bit, having looked at it over the last while. The um, there's a lot of data being gathered, and you know, in this yeah. in this world, in every industry, data and knowledge is really important. And I'm sure that's part of the valuation. Um, you know, your your the the sort of valuation metrics of, of this are not very clear to most people, but certainly there's a data piece to it, and you have mm-hmm. a lot of data, and it's very useful and it's very valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we collect lots of data. We at this stage, our platform it, it manages about 150 billion a year for our customers in revenue being invoiced through it. Um, we manage hundreds of millions of tons of actual recycling and waste material through our platform. There's thousands of trucks being tracked across the world with various information coming from them. Um, so there's a lot of data moving around. Yeah. And in the old days, all that data was lost. It was all just completely all over the place. Didn't exist. Didn't exist. Didn't yeah. exist. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to go back to to to, to today's uh, agenda um, again after a little bit, but just to just to go back a little bit, Jimmy. And in fact, where I first came across you guys back in, uh, we I don't think we met you till 2006, but I think you founded it uh, with Austin Ryan in 2004. Yeah, would you remind us um, a lot of our uh, the Renatus um, community, if that's the right word, are involved in small businesses, and uh, we're we're back. Many of them are back at the time you were back. You're, you, you're similar scale to what you were doing back then, which is really small. What what put you guys together? What was your idea at the time? And um, what what you know what opportunity did you see then? I know it's changed and evolved hugely, but back then, how come you you both got together? We how how did the circumstances arise? Yeah, so we started. I started in 2004. AMCS was founded. Um, my background's in maths and physics. I worked with analog devices here in Limerick. Um, we're a pretty big semiconductor business, electronic business here in, in Limerick. Um, my my role in that, I worked with him for over what 13, 14 years. My my role there was, was automation, software and automation. I was I qualified as a process engineer, but um, ended up doing a lot of automation work within their um, fab, um, and from that, I suppose I learned a lot about automation and, and digitalization. Um, and I just wanted to start a business, so um, met with Austin. Austin, I knew Austin for a couple of years. He heard with me in, in our local GA club, and he had a similar appetite to do something. We didn't know what, yeah. And we started AMCS. That it stands for Advanced Manufacturing Control Systems. We really didn't know what that was going to be, yeah. Um, so. All we knew was we we're going to automate something, probably something in the manufacturing space. 
we researched a lot of different areas. We researched, um, you know, obviously manufacturing directly. We found that quite tough because it was every company you went to was different. Um, we looked at the whole the hospital industry. It was a big area we invested in. We actually created a couple of products in that space back early in 2004, 2005, around patient tracking, around um, chart management. But again, we found that a quite a, a tough area to, um, to penetrate because of our scale and our size. And then we happened to come on the waste and recycling space. At the time, Ireland was going through a pretty major transition. Um, landfills were becoming end of life and there was a big focus on how the industry could change. And we, we kind of spotted that quite early and really fell in love with that vertical um, and really decided to focus there, particularly once, you know, within the first years, year and a half, that's where we decided to focus. Um, you know, so I really took on the role of product, the CEO role, but really my role was product and development and, and Austin took on the sales role. And, and how the business started out of the attic, we invented, we started our first product, which was actually a, a scales product on the truck. Um, quite quickly, we felt software was going to be critical in the industry and we moved into the software space. And, you know, that was the first two years of our life. Um, we won a few pretty major customers in that space. We won Cork County Council as one of our first customers in 2000, I think 2005, 2006. Um, that was a major win for yeah. us as a startup. I think it was over a, it was a half a million plus contract at the time. Um, so that was a, quite a major win for us. Um, and we just grew customer by customer, reference by reference was, was how we grew initially. Jimmy, uh, can I ask you, yeah, sorry, during that early period, were, I presume there were times when you were going to give it up and go get a job again. Yeah, <laughs> there was lots of say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or my wife was going to give me up. <laughs> I'm not sure which. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, you look. Yeah, there, there, was, there was lots of days that, you know, things going on. As, as you can imagine, when you develop them products, and in the industry we work in, it's quite a tough industry. So it's done forgiving sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there was lots of them occasions along the way. Yeah. Well, no, I, I only ask you because I know many people who start businesses do feel like that. So it's kind of consoling to know that, that others, yeah. do, particularly others that have gone on to, to better things. Jimmy, moving on to sort of the funding of, of the business. Obviously, you founded it. You've got your reference customers. You're moving forward. You want to grow. You have to get some, some money. And, you, you know, we won't spend too much time on the, the different, different funders. But maybe some, maybe some little bit of... Um, your experience with the various funders, uh, you had a, an angel investor at the very beginning, then NCB Ventures came in, and then you had some other um, uh, venture capital companies coming in at various stages. Uh, and, and also you were doing particular things with the money. Maybe could you take us through that sort of period where you were getting external funding, who they were and, and, and what you were doing? Yeah, we've probably gone to three, four phases of funding within AMCS, but in the very early days, it was sweat equity, as I would call it, which was our own time and money, um, myself and Austin worked for free for probably two years, creating the product, creating the solution, out and selling the solution. So that was that was the first two years. Um, obviously that got us to a certain scale and got us got us to what I'd call series A now in, in, hmm. in the new language that VCs use. Um, but, you know, I, I wouldn't underestimate what we had to do on the sweat equity side. We had very little cash initially, but, 
you know, the most important piece for us was anybody involved in the business early worked either almost for free or for very little salary or reward. And, and that probably was the key to get us off the ground in the first mm. two years. It wouldn't have worked. Yeah. It wouldn't have worked without it. And, and at that time, the market, you could not, probably it's a little bit easier now that you can actually go out and, and, and air, um, raise angel funding, as you, you, know, as you, you call it, where you have yeah. no product, you have very little product, no customers, and you have a good idea. I mean, in 2004, that just wouldn't happen. So no. Maybe that has changed somewhat. No. Um, we, we raised one and a half million euros at the time in 2006, but we were a business turning over one and a half million to two million at that stage. Unprofitable. You know, so um, that's what you had to be to get money at that yeah. stage. Um, so they, they now call that angel, but I'm not sure it was really angel that stage. I'm not, I'm not sure of the definition of angel either, but I'm my experience of of being on the other side of that industry is just I I'm I'm a firm believer that people are are the funders are backing people at that stage. You know, if the people look like they know what they're doing and they have they have the right the right stuff, I think people will you know funders will back them to to you know. Uh, at an early stage, even if they don't have a very clear business plan, they'll back them because they're going to find out. They're going to find out one because they're good enough to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, I think now that is true. I wouldn't have said it was as true in two thousand and four because maybe there wasn't that many proof points in 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 software technology side coming out of Ireland. I don't know. It, it definitely, we didn't feel the environment was there to to go out and 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 raise raise it as pure angel. Probably we didn't know enough about the market either. Yes. We were still learning. We came into a waste recycling market that necessarily we wouldn't have known enough about mm. to do that pitch. But once you know we raised that money within with with um at the time it was with NCB who became Investec um, and a meaning fund out of Dublin, which was really important for us. They were really they were they were um technology guys, um very important. I think you know Paul McKeown and it was um, Dickton Hogan at the time. They had invested in their own software companies, um, and they were really key to us in the mm. early stages because they understood software. And NCB were were very key as well, um, as as in they were you know that they, they, they backed us and allowed us to take the risk to move forward. So that was really important. They allowed us you know get into the UK market, um, win some customers in there. It was quite evident the Irish market was small, yes, and not sustainable to create a software business of scale you know that was quite obvious in the first two years mm. when we got going that we had to get outside of ireland and we had to at minimum get to the uk but we decided to go to the uk market first um we had good success there austin moved to the uk market to actually become the front of amcs in the uk um which was a huge commitment and we also done a move to the swedish market because we felt that was a really important market it was a bit more innovative than in Western Europe at the time, um, and we moved into that market and actually done an acquisition in that market quite early from a technology point of view. And sorry, Jimmy, can I, can I ask you, did you, were there established competitors in, in your space in those days, or or was this stuff done by the utilities themselves, that by the waste companies? It was a big boat, yeah, a big boat, Craig. Was it, yeah, some of it would be done by the utilities or the big waste companies yeah. themselves or waste recycling companies themselves, and some, there was maybe point solutions of competitors Yes, in different pieces. So, 
you know, within I think within the first three four years, we've got it. We got a very good feel for what would it take to build a platform for the industry, and that you know that's my background. I'm a very strong kind of product innovator type topic guy. So I'm always thinking about the process and the overall solution space. Yeah, and you know that was that was a big form of what once we understood the vertical and you know we we quite quickly decided we wanted to be a vertical focused software company because to be horizontal. Out of Ireland, we felt was not not, not achievable. Yeah. Um, so that you know that meant really becoming, as I said, becoming a waster. Right, getting in there and understanding every part of that industry backwards, understanding the processes, understanding um, what what made the industry tick. Um, I think that's what we've done really well, and we've built our platform from that. Jimmy, what was there? Was there any? company did you ever come across a company that was kind of identical to you i i, I kind of doubt you did yeah look i don't know i'm sure there's there's we, we, everybody has competitors so we have lots of competitors but but specializing i just yeah there would be, look at there is specialized players there were specialized small players in that soft in vertical yes we've done 11 acquisitions over the last more 15 acquisitions over the last 10 years and that's what exactly what we've acquired is these small software companies within the vertical um, and that's part of our strategy. Okay, is to is to buy some of that customer revenue and move it into our platform. Okay. Um, so you know, I, I wouldn't say there was no competitors. There's always competitors. Yeah. I, I'd always be wary of a market with no competitors. But J- Jimmy, would would it be if you found a bunch of good software engineers working for working uh, writing software uh, for in a different industry? Could you could you buy them and? Point them in, the, in in your direction, and their skills would be perfectly suitable for you. Yeah, yeah, we've done it. We've done some of that. We we have taken what we call horizontal type product companies and vertically them into the environmental space. So we've done that on the routing side and on the transport side in particular. Yeah. Um, and you know they would have maybe you know on the routing side they had a we bought a horizontal business that was across many verticals out of Denmark, and we we worked hard over the last over the last number of years to focus that more towards an environmental solution that's worked really well um, so we, we've done some of that and we've obviously also acquired in older software businesses and moved them towards a, a SaaS platform approach so that's part of our strategy as we grow at this stage we're growing at about 25 percent a year 20 percent 20 to 25 percent a year organically we'll add another 15 percent a year in acquisitions and and jimmy has the covid uh thing which has obviously had very different effects on different businesses but has it has that slowed down your your revenue in the last 12 18 months do you think a bit a little bit yeah but it probably had a on a growth rate it had some impact but we're still growing i think we grew last year at 18 19 percent somewhere in that range so it's probably moved from 25 percent to 20 percent type of number um so we are a pretty high growth business that's off 100 million revenue so yes pretty high growth business and, and that's been part of strategy over the last number of years jimmy you're you're you know you've gone through a number of of different funders there we're probably not going to talk about them all but as things stand at the moment your big shareholders are insight partners from the us and isif the the irish sovereign fund um yeah just just about those two that they're they're um yeah our three our three main shareholders at the moment outside of myself and employees are are insight Ventures out of New York, um, Highland Capital Europe, still there. Shareholder um, and ISIF, Irish Street Investment Fund out of Dublin, 
all you know we've gone through a number of investors over the years highland were a critical investor for us they came in in 2020 i think 2013 um they really backed us to move to a SaaS cloud solution which was a critical pivot point in our business back yes. in 2012 2013 and also moved to the us um so they've been a great investor um, and, and did bring real software SaaS thinking at scale. Yes, yes. At, at that stage, um, ICE have got involved with us actually. I think. I think it's 2018, maybe, is it? No, I think it was before that, 16. Before? 15, 15, 15, yeah, 15, 15 16. Yeah. Um, and again, there are more, you know, we've gone through a number of investors. ISAF would be seen for me a really strategic investor. Yes. Ensuring we stay Irish, yeah. <laughs> ensuring we can scale the business and allowing us transition from investors into, you know, we've gone through a number of transitions and I have gone through two of them transitions already with us since 2016. And that's a stable investor that's always there um, and thinking more in a 10 year, 15 year kind of time frame. Yes. Whereas most of the VC type PE guys are in a five to six year time. Yeah. And I, I presume that's that brings with it difficulties for you guys if your founders have a cycle and they need to get out and realize value it doesn't necessarily suit you guys to be raising money you know it time the timing of it is all a bit tricky timing can be tricky but look um we've we transitioned from a few you know we transitioned but we transitioned ncb or investec we transitioned um partially highland we transitioned um web ventures so we've transitioned a number of investors out of business the key First of all, the business always has to be in, you know, if the business is, is continuing to grow and add value and doing well, I think that that's a lot easier, to be honest. You know? Yes. And, and that's the secret here. Just for me, I, I don't worry much about that. I'm more focused on doing the right thing within the business. Yes. Most of that takes care of itself. It's always sensitive when the time it comes, but it's a lot easier solving problems if the business is performing well. Jimmy, in general, in, in very general terms, what would you give any obvious advice you'd give to companies that are taking on external capital as they grow? Any sort of standout things that you think they should consider? Yeah, I think you need you need to think about the investor. Like when you are going on that journey, to be fair, investors are looking for a return um, and you need to be willing put in the hard miles to give that return. You know, So no investors are coming into a software technology company without without looking at a 15 to 20% ROI a year. Yes. At least 15% ROI a year. That means the business has to scale and grow at that level. And that's what you're taking on, that commitment. You mm. know, um, I think be aware of that because it is a change. Mm. The day of a passive, I don't think there's a, such thing as a passive investor. There is no. a passive investor, but I mean, at the end of the day, they need a return. Yes. So, um, and I do think, you know, I, I've learned a lot, I think from our, investors that understand your vertical or understand your industry where you know software investors for us has been quite key because understand how to measure our business hmm. what's good what's bad how to scale that has been a huge learning for, for us over the last few years with insight have been really top-notch in that yeah no i i think jimmy it cuts both ways i think insight will be very happy with you but i think you've learned a huge amount and they've helped you in terms of the strategic positioning and yeah. all that kind of stuff it's been great yeah yeah and and uh, while I'm just talking about advice and, and you know more uh, general advice for people in small businesses, anything you just look back on and think you did you didn't do well enough or something you might change a little bit when you were sort of starting out. 
Uh, never look back. Lots of regrets. So. Okay. Yeah, I'd say there. Yeah. <laughs> the advice again is don't look back. Get over it. Like as a good friend, a good friend of mine has said, uh, a good friend and one of our first customers as well said, "Hindsight's foresight for a gobshite." So <laughs> very good, very good. Um, yeah. And uh, we've we've talked about the US entry and the SAS, and I think. I didn't mention to you before that the name Fergus Gloucester, I remember his name had come up a few times. I think he was yeah. on your board. Yeah. He had worked for he had worked for um Salesforce.com, which were serious SaaS players. Like you know, that's a bit yeah. of good fortune as well, how that came together. I know Fergus was influential and helpful in, in this in your SaaS journey. Yeah, it was introduced by Highland Capital Europe Highland yeah. Europe at the time. Um, and again it was a key transition for us because it we had to transition from being an old an old software type company. We were selling software and hardware in the old model back in two thousand nine to a SaaS. And one of the, you know, one of the things I suppose Fergus did teach us quite quickly was sales is a science, not an art. And mm. you know, and you have to understand how to measure, motivate, and drive a sales team and create that process sales and marketing team. You know, and that's a big mistake a lot of Irish companies make. Mm. You know. They, they and I think Highland and Fergus really brought starters in that journey, and I think Insight really reinforced that journey. Yes, when they joined in 2015, 2016, you know, at the end of the day, you need to create a real process around your sales, yeah, and approach around that and your marketing, and know to measure it and measure it in in detail, continuously drive and evolve that as you scale. I think you know we probably would have been a very product oriented business um, because of my background, you know, techie guy at the end of the day. I think it really they really brought that home for us. In, in, in you know, it took it took I wouldn't underestimate that it took four or five years to get right. Yes. More. And I definitely think it's a huge issue. You ask me, one of the regrets I would have is that not understanding sales in detail. Yeah. Early enough. Yeah. Well, it's funny. It 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 reminds me a little bit. There are parallels with the financial services industry, where, where recurring uh, revenue, recurring income, is so much sought after and so valued at the moment. And certainly, in my early experience in in, in NCB in my stockbroking days, it was we. I don't think we we ever really talked about the value of recurring income over income. It was just money, and it went into the PL, mm. and we were happy with that. But in time, we learned. Very quickly, the value of of uh, recurring income over and above transactional income, and there's nothing, there's nothing like a good recession to teach that. Nothing, lesson. absolutely not. In fact, it's 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 the only way to really learn it properly. Um, yeah. Can I can I ask you, Jimmy, in terms of the SaaS platform now, is, is that an easier sell in terms of bringing AMCS's wares to new customers? Is is the SaaS offering? Does it make it easier to? To 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 sign up new customers as opposed to the old days. Yeah, I, I don't know. Does it make it easier? I, I mean, it, it depends on the market you're in. It yes. Is. You know, we're not just selling a SaaS. We're always selling value, and you have to. Yeah. Have, you know, SaaS is an outcome of how we deliver that value, but it's all around what value can we drive with our customers. Where is it at? at? And you know, it's, we're not just delivering. It's a pretty. What we deliver in a platform. There's many pieces of value in that. We break that down into smaller pieces and sell it into our customers in various forms and disguises. So, Jimmy, would it be typical that in developing a new customer that you might, you know, 
sell them or engage on a particular issue and but yeah. what you've got yeah. your your plan is obviously to extend your offerings and and, and yeah get so, a lot so more we, we, yeah we'll do probably uh, you know 60 60 70 percent of our growth comes out of our current customer base on upsell crosssell yeah that's you know our, our model is land small and expand yeah and we're continually driving that you know that's that's a pretty a pretty broad strategy across the business of how we build a platform, what modules we have, what entry strategies, you know, we yeah. can go into billing, invoicing, transport, logistics, mobile, digital, yeah. material sales. So it, it, it really, we break it down into small pieces. Um, and some deals are big. So we know some of our deals, we signed a deal last year, it was probably north of one and a half million a year recurring over five years. Um, you know, it's a five-year deal recurring. So some can be up to, Two million in size yearly, and that would be the full suite. That would be pretty much pretty all you've got. All, yeah, okay. can be the full suite. Yeah, so you know, our customers range from two million to three million a year recurring, down to five ten k a year in recurring licenses. But my my point being that you don't have to. You don't. It's not all or nothing. You can sell them a small no. piece, prove yourselves, develop the relationship, and sell more. Then on the back of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's quite a normal part. You know, the smaller customers, it tends to be a bit more all contained and in the larger yes, deals. Yes, 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 yes. Size down a little bit. Um, and, and Jimmy, just the future growth here. And you're, you're, I, I'm, I'm kind of guessing that the US is just such a big market that there's plenty in the US and plenty of opportunities in the US to keep, keep you very busy, even before you take Europe and Asia or wherever else. US is so big. Yeah, I mean, we are we are probably the biggest player in the US at this stage. We we're about about thirty five forty percent of that market. Um, so that's continuing to be a huge, it's a very significant market for us, and will will continue to, to be over the next four or five years. Um, we're also you know starting to grow quite significantly in, in Europe. Germany is a big Germany. The DAC region is probably our key focus at the moment in Europe. That's continuing to expand. And then also the vertical itself is becoming, you know, we are broadening into the broader environmental vertical and more, and that's a big growth piece for us. I, I would say over 30, 40% of our growth is coming out of that vertical is continuing to broaden. And uh, Jimmy, do you find that, you know, obviously when you're very small, you may have had difficulty breaking into big customers because they they probably might've thought that you wouldn't be there a year later or two years later. Uh, yeah. Obviously as you get bigger and more established and, and more embedded, in markets, it must be easier to break into new customer, larger customers. Just the credibility is there that wasn't at the beginning. Yeah, as well. <laughs> there's upsides and downsides. When you're smaller, you know, the bigger customer, I would sell myself. Yeah. I can't do that anymore. anymore. So, okay, okay. You know, that was a big transition in the business. When you looked at us up to, up to probably four or five years ago, myself and Austin would have done most of the big deals. Yeah. Bottom line, we'd have been all over the bigger customers, but as you scale, that's obviously not scalable. So now you have to enable a sales team that can sell and sell a solution into that bigger base. Um, so I think it probably was easier in some ways when we were smaller. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but you're right. Now they have established, you know, establishing a sales team that can sell. That's very satisfying. Like it's very satisfying. Yeah. But it's not, I wouldn't, you know, again, that's a transition for us to have sales guys that can close deals north of a million in euros. They're not, they're quite difficult to find and and 
to get into that level of, mm. of, of um, sales process. Jimmy, the, the obviously customers are pretty sticky. I imagine if you get them on on your platform and you've lots of bits and pieces, they're pretty sticky. But because yeah. that that works the other way when you're trying to develop the business and get, yeah. get to new customers, they're pretty sticky with their existing yeah, yeah. provider. So. Can you customize your your, your SaaS thing to, for their specific needs to sort of get a bit of an edge? Yeah, look at that's always it. That's customize or yeah. I mean, we've we've built a, we've done a lot of work in our platform to try and make it customer configurable and adaptable to customer process flows and customer needs. So that's always um, part of what we do. You know, delivering a solution like ours is a huge change management program for the bigger customers. Um, and trying to help our customers through that transition is 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 major. So mm. it is a real partnership approach rather than a supplier vendor approach. You know, all our you know that's how we talk, that's our language, that's how we think. That's what we deliver is a partnership yeah. approach. So um, you're right; it's very sticky. Whatever you're doing, it there's no doubt it's working. Whatever you're doing, it keep keep doing it. It's it's it's, it's working great. Um, Jimmy, I know I'm not going to, to get too personal with you. This is a business chat, but in terms of when you're not um, in there in the office uh, running the, the global show, what do you do in your downtime? I know you have, you have a bit of a farm out in County Limerick. What? Yeah, a small bit of farming. And I, that's my hot and, hot and sport, yeah, four boys. And so much time for you have, fighting against this you, stage. You have four, four, four boys who play decent hurling play hurling or sports yeah hurling soccer mainly yeah so and uh, just a, a very a very obvious sort of question again off piece a bit but you're from Tipperary originally and you live in Limerick yeah. now and you're four boys who consider themselves Limerick I imagine yeah most of them do anyway one or two are still a bit doubtful yeah, <laughs> how has that been you know your your Tipperary roots how's it been to be in Limerick for the last few years when Limerick have uh, hit the high spots yeah, quite tough some days. I get reminded most days. Okay. Of it. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's good even, to be fair. The whole Limerick hurling scene has been brilliant over the last few years for everybody involved. Yeah. And my young guys have enjoyed it immensely. So I think overall it's been good. Yeah. Well, Jimmy, I think honestly you've been great. I really, um, I know, I know you were reluctant to do this, but you did it, and we really appreciate it. And um, honestly, you've done a great job, and you're continuing to do a good job. And I just wish you very well. Uh, for the future and all your team and uh, it's a very proud Limerick business and it's it's fantastic so good luck and uh, keep it up and thanks a million thanks Greg thank you